0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today for part two of the Debt of Love. We're going through the book of Romans chapter 13, and we're looking at verses 8 through 14. And uh, what a challenging passage this is for us today. We learned a couple weeks ago that as believers in Christ, we should submit to the governing authorities because All of the government authorities really are coming from God. He is the one that established government and we are commanded by God's word to follow those who rule over us except when they cause us or ask us to go contrary to God's will. And in that case, we say it's better to obey God than man. And so I'm praying that God will raise up some Daniels in our culture today. Who will be refusing to bow and worship Nebuchadnezzar, refusing to stop praying just because there might be a law against praying? You see, that ought to be part of our lives. It ought to be so much part of a, who we are that we do it whether it's legal or illegal, as far as following God. Uh, well, today we're going to look at the subject of the debt of love. And just to bring up the speed, just in case you missed the broadcast yesterday, let me read the text. And give you a little summary of what we covered yesterday. And then we're gonna look at the last part of this subject of how we can pay back this debt of love, okay? Paul says this Romans 13, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding, except one debt. That is the debt to love one another. Constantly pay that debt, even though you're never gonna pay that off, but make sure that you pay off your other debts, okay? That's what Paul is saying in this passage, because whoever loves others, Has fulfilled the law. The commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be, they're summed up in this one commandment love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love does no harm to your neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul here gives the Ten Commandments and he deals with the Ten Commandments in relationship to our neighbor. So if I really love somebody, I'm fulfilling the commandment, by not committing adultery. If I really love somebody, I'm not going to murder them. If I really love somebody, I'm not going to steal from them. If I really love somebody, I'm not going to covet what they have. And another commandment, he says, can be summed up, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because if you love somebody, you don't do harm to them. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. so, Paul reminds us that We shouldn't be complacent, verse number 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Do you get what Paul's saying here? He's reminding us that today we're one day closer to the fulfillment of our salvation by getting our glorified body. He says the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So put aside those deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Behave decently, as in the daytime, not carousing, not in drunkenness, and not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension, not in jealousy. Rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So three things we want to do today. We want to explain what is the debt of love. Then we secondly want to look at this subject of why do I owe this debt of love? And then we'll conclude by talking about how we can pay that debt of love. So Paul is not prohibiting borrowing. He is prohibiting borrowing amount of money that you cannot pay back or you refuse to pay back. Jesus himself talked about borrowing. He says, give to the one who asks and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And now unfortunately, we are way over debt as an American citizen and as a country as a whole. We have debts that we cannot pay. And matter of fact, I think that's part of the judgment upon our culture, upon our country, is that we're gonna have this debt that is one day going to and I don't know what this is gonna have, but one day it's gonna overcome us because the Bible is very clear that the one who borrows money is a slave to the lender. We're controlled by the lender. And we know this on a personal debt, right? Some of you may be experiencing a high level of stress because you're not able to meet your financial obligations. Uh, you can't pay off your credit cards every month, and you're having trouble making your car payments or your home payment on, on your mortgage or, or your rent. And I want you to know that the Lord can help you through that. And uh, oftentimes, it takes us a while to work through our debts. And I think the reason God doesn't often give us instant freedom from our financial debt it's because he knows we're going to go right back into it if he delivers us too quickly. So come up with a plan. Prayerfully seek God's face about how you can manage your debt. And we are living in such a day and age that some people say, "I don't even worry about paying off all your loans, right? Uh, just go ahead and run everything up, and and then when you die, that'll be somebody else's problem, right?" That's kind of a bad way of looking at things. That's definitely not a Christian way of looking at things. I mean, as believers. We want to leave a legacy to our children and to our grandchildren. Not that we got to leave them a big nest egg. I'm not talking about that. But we certainly don't want to leave them a whole lot of debt and leave them a whole lot of stress in their lives because we didn't manage our lives well. So Paul's not prohibiting borrowing, but he is talking about the fact that we should be paying our debts. The psalmist says, the wicked borrow and they don't repay. But then he says something about the righteous. Implied here is that the righteous, they pay back their debts, but the righteous also give generously. You know, one of the reasons that I don't want to be too far in debt, right? Because if I'm so far in debt that I don't have any money left over at the end of the month, how can I be generous? How can I really be a righteous man if I am so far in debt that I can't be generous in giving? And the tragedy is that's where many Americans are. Many years ago, I had a couple that wanted to go on to the mission field, young couple and a vibrant couple, you know, well-educated couple. And so they went with their mission board and and their mission board said to them, uh, you are just too far in debt to consider us sending you into this mission field. And so they gave them a five-year plan to get out of debt. And they said, if you can work through this plan, Then we would reconsider having you as a candidate with our mission organization. Uh, How many people are held back from being all that God wants them to be because of debt? And I know that debt is a hot topic today, but as believers in Christ, we pay back our debts. And now, Paul, as he talks about this, again, he's not opposed to debt, he's opposed to having a debt that we cannot pay. But then he says something else. We owe a debt to always love one another. Leave no debt unpaid except the standing debt of mutual love. Now I hope this will transition the way that you think. Many times we look at brothers and sisters in Christ, and we may not, you know, spend a lot of time thinking this, but our actions kind of imply this that we are looking at, well, what have you done for me lately, right? What has the church done for me lately? What has the pastor done for me lately? What have the elders done for me lately? And that's the wrong way of looking at it. The question is not what can the church do for me and not what the body of Christ can do for me, but what I can do for the body of Christ. So, this is a debt Paul is talking about this debt of love that we pay every single day, yet on the same time, We go on owing it every single day. And I want you to think about marriage for a moment. Marriages that are successful, both partners look at their obligation to not have a high level of expectation as to what they will receive from their partner, but have a high expectation of what they're going to give to that partner. We owe this debt of love. Because it is a fulfillment of the law of Moses. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. You know, you should love the Lord your God, have no other gods before me, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I'm the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God, right? So, those first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The second six commandments, now, if you have those first four down, then the second six become a whole lot easier. All of the second six commandments deal with our relationship with others. Paul makes a point that when Gentile believers came to Christ, they came to Christ as a fulfillment of the law of Moses. The law of Moses was broken, and the law of Moses required a justification or payment for the breaking of that law. And so, Paul drives home that point. That as Gentiles come to the church, they are not expected to become Jewish converts. They are Gentile converts. Uh, They are no longer under the legal restriction of the Mosaic law because Christ fulfills the Mosaic law. We read yesterday uh, from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 21. Let's also look today at Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. We see the same problem taking place. Certain people come down from Judah to Antioch, and they're teaching the believers that unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you can't be saved. Now, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas, they're appointed, along with some of the other believers, to go to Jerusalem. This is called the Jerusalem Council, They're having this debate to settle this question. They go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. So this has become a big uh, center of controversy within the early church. So the church sends them on their way, and as they're traveling through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all of the believers very glad, right? People getting saved. All the believers are happy about that. When they came to Jerusalem, they welcomed them into the church. They welcomed the apostles and the elders, uh, and they gave a report about everything that God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said this, now it's great to have these Gentiles, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit what happened here, great to have these Gentile believers joining us, but these Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. And so here is the big debate, right? So Paul and Barnabas deals with it. In verse number 28, Acts 15, Paul says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on them than these requirements. It's basically a requirement of a changed life, no longer worshiping idols, no longer involved in sexual immorality. So Paul says we have this freedom in Christ And we're not asking Gentiles to carry a burden upon them to keep the law. And he's also reminding the Pharisees that, oh, by the way, uh, you couldn't keep the law either. Uh, Nobody is able to keep the law. We're all lawbreakers. We didn't become believers because we kept the law, because we couldn't keep the law. We came to be believers because somebody paid the penalty for our sins when we broke the law. So Paul is driving on the point that we have freedom in Christ. And he says this in Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that old lifestyle. that slavery to sin. Look, verse number two. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you let's stop right there because we don't want to miss this point. Paul is drawing a line in the sand and say if you say you're saved because you're circumcised, Christ has no advantage to you Christ is not your savior you're trusting your circumcision you're trusting an act of the flesh to bring about your salvation Verse number three Galatians chapter five I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Paul is saying, if you want to bring these Gentiles and make them live under the law, you're obligated to keep the whole law. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, you got to be circumcised. No, you got to go under the whole law. And he says, if you do that, you are severed from Christ. You who'd be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. You have missed what grace is all about. Paul takes it even deeper when he goes into Romans chapter 7, verses 4 through 6. He says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we are living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Paul is reminding the Roman believers that the law could not bring about freedom. The law was holding them captive. When they were living under the law, they were bearing fruit that would lead to death, but they were released from the law. They were released and no longer held captive to the law because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit taking up residence within them. They're no longer living under that old way of the written code. They are now bearing fruit. That's why when we are saved, right, God gives us these spiritual gifts, and these gifts are to help in the bearing of fruit as we invest our lives in other believers, as we understand this debt of love. You know, I'm indebted to other believers, and other believers are indebted to me. We think about weaknesses. What kind of church would your church be if it had nobody who had any shortcomings? If it had nobody who is lacking knowledge about God's Word? We wouldn't need teachers if everybody knew everything about the Word of God. That's why God raises up teachers so they can take God's Word and they can inspire those who are followers of Christ. To grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. What kind of church would we have if nobody ever got sick and we didn't have to go visit people or we didn't have to bring meals to people? We didn't have to serve people, right? You see, when you think about the giftingness that God gives us, not only are we set free from the written code of that old law, we have been freed up to become servants and we're to spend the rest of our lives on this planet serving one another. You see, this debt of love we have, is actually a fulfillment of the law of Moses. If you have been bona fide and truly born again, your life is different. You're heading in a whole new direction. You're not under the law. You're not under the law of Moses. You are fulfilling the law of Moses. Secondly, you're also no longer under the law of the New Testament. You are now Fulfilling the gospel of Christ. Jesus, in his love, paid a debt that we could not pay. Now, I want to ask you a question Is there somebody you're having trouble loving? If so, I want you to know, as a follower of Christ, the gospel of Christ can give you the capacity to love even the most unlovable. Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment. What is this new commandment? John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. This is red letter edition, right? That you love one another. Well, how am I supposed to love somebody? Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. Okay, I get how to do it. Why should I do it? Because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Now, I love how Jesus gives concrete examples of how we are to carry out this new commandment. Paul does a similar thing. Maybe you're listening to me today and and you're having a hard time loving your spouse. Maybe there's a man listening to me today and he says, man, I am having a hard time loving my wife. And you don't understand, pastor, the kind of wife that I have. She is very difficult to live with. She is very hard to love, and uh, she doesn't respect me. Uh, She doesn't even really care too much about me. She kind of does her own thing. And I I think sometimes she does things just kind of to poke the bear. That's the kind of wife I have. How am I supposed to love her? Well, Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. On the same level that Christ loved us. Now, Christ, who is perfect, loves us who are very far from perfect. If that which is perfect can love us that which is imperfect, how much more should we be able to love our wives? You know, your life is gonna be filled with people that need extra grace. And sometimes you might feel like you're married to that person who needs extra grace. And maybe you're saying, well, I can't love how Christ loved because I'm not Jesus and I'm not a perfect person. I can't love somebody perfectly. But that's okay. Paul says, then love your wives the way that you love yourself. Nowhere in the Bible do I find that we are to learn to love ourselves, right? It's kind of implied, and I think by human experience, we can say that each of us really do love ourselves, right? I mean, you spend 24-7 with you, and I spend 24-7 with me. The first thing that we do in the morning is we take care of our needs. Right? Uh, the last thing we do at night is we take care of our needs. We make sure that we get clothed and fed and cleaned and and we make sure that we take care of ourselves. And and so uh, I don't think that we need to worry about self-love so much because I think we already got that one down pat, right? We kind of know how to love ourselves. Even when you think about the struggles that we have, uh, when we get depressed, right? We're feeling sorry for ourselves because we love ourselves so much and we don't think that we should be feeling this way about ourselves. And so The best way to release yourself from depression, from anxiety, from looking inward is always being a servant of others. So Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, love brothers and sisters in Christ like Christ loves brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus said, John 15, this is by commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than somebody to lay down his life for his friends. Now if you forget everything else that I say today, I want you to try to remember this statement, okay? It always amazes me. Pastors spend hours and hours putting sermons together, and I say by Sunday afternoon the majority of what the pastor says Uh, is forgotten. Okay, That's why you need to have heavy doses of being in God's Word and listening to God's Word being taught. But here's a statement that I want you to remember. People don't determine how I treat people. Let me say that again. People don't determine how I treat people. Jesus determines how I treat people. Now, sometimes people will treat me very well, And if that's the case, then I follow that good treatment, right? But a lot of times people don't treat me so well. And so what I'm going to do, respond in kind? There's so many people that have withdrawn from church because somebody didn't treat them right in the church. Now, it always amazes me how quick we are to drop out of church. I was reading an illustration one time talking about the fact that we will go back to McDonald's even though they mess up on our order over and over again. But how quick we are to drop out of church because one little thing happens to us. So people don't determine how I treat people. As we look at the gospel, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Listen, when you're telling me you can't love somebody, you're really telling me that you don't know God. In this is the love of God that was made manifest in us. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this we live. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And we love one another by losing ourselves to others, by omitting selfishness, by valuing goodwill, and by emulating Jesus. We just spelled out the word love. Losing yourself, greater love has no end than this, that he lays down his life for his friends by omitting selfishness. Spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind. And don't ask if somebody else is being that way to you, but ask if you are being that way to others. Are you being patient and kind to others? Love values good and goodwill. You know, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's after salvation. And then we are to emulate Jesus. That new commandment that God gives us, that Jesus gives. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. You know, when you experience the love of Christ, Paul says that the love of Christ is really too great and too wonderful for us to understand. I guess it's kind of like the love between a husband and wife. You don't really understand that, but you experience it. It's hard to explain it. When you experience the love of Christ, Paul says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul reminds the Thessalonian believers that we are to love more and more. Continue to love one another. And then love must be sincere. Paul to the Philippian believers says, I pray that you will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what matters most, that you will live a pure and blameless life until the day Christ returns. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast.